welcome to the New Zealand Property Management Podcast, brought to you by RealIQ. Here's your host, David Faulkner. We weren't going to do another wine time, but when we got the opportunity to speak with Michael Abbott, the CEO of Palace, we jumped at the opportunity. We had a great hour with Michael, where we talked about the history of Palace, how it got started, the speed bumps they've had on their journey, and also look at the future. Benchmarking, as well as artificial intelligence, are going to have a big role to play in property management in the future. Who better to ask than the CEO of Palace, Michael Abbott. Welcome to the final edition of our property management wine time. Um, we have again another fantastic guest. We've been so lucky with guests over the uh, last six, seven weeks. And today uh, we've got Michael Abbott. Michael Abbott, the CEO of Palace. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much, David. I've, I've listened to a few of your shows. They've been very good. That's Thank you very much. Why haven't you listened to all of them, mate? Come on, you should be listening to them all. <sighs> I've got to get work done. I've got to get work done in between, David. So uh, watch those times. The big boss, the big boss. On a Friday afternoon, getting work done. There you go. That's commitment for you. How has it been, Michael? Where are you? Whereabouts are you uh, in New Zealand? Presuming you're up in Auckland somewhere. Yep, on uh, Central Auckland in Mount Albert. Who's in the bubble? Who's in your bubble? At the moment, it's just my kids, uh, two two girls, eleven and fourteen, and my wife. And your wife, um, yeah. although a couple, a couple didn't start off a little differently to begin with. Right. Okay. Well, how, so what happened? Yeah. Well, my wife is um, my wife is French, and she put a name on the the French embassy website to um, to help out any any travellers who were trapped in New Zealand and couldn't get home. And uh, we actually ended up taking a couple from New Caledonia. Right. Um, which was quite brave of us. Along that stay, and they ended up staying for three weeks. So it was. Uh, longer than we thought and more crowded than we thought but um you know it's hard enough being stuck in your own bubble imagine being stuck in in somebody else's bubble in a different country in a different house oh, so um and they must have, so they must have been really appreciative of being um, allowed to stay in and, and how did so your wife's french where did you i mean i know you can speak the uh, lingo a little bit and uh, how do you get about meeting your wife well, like most Kiwis, I guess I did my OE in in, in England, and um, and she was uh, she was living in England at the time. She she was working on the Eurostar, so um, we uh, we met in England and uh, ended up um, traveling the world a bit together, and then living in France for a few years before before coming back here. So that's the, the very summarized version of that. And whereabouts in France? Uh, where are you, Michael? Uh, it's it's kind of the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> But I guess it's about an hour east of Paris. Right. So that's, that's probably the best way. An hour and a half east of Paris is the best way to describe it. So very inland, a long well, way from the beaches, it. nowhere near the beaches or anything like that. So a typical French type of village. Yeah, yeah. I think it's about 800 people. So she hates it when I say, I tell most people it's Paris because they, they know it's, it's, you know, everyone knows where that is. Um, but of course, like most people in, 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 uh, who don't live in the big cities, they hate everyone from the big cities. So everyone in New Zealand generally, you know, hates Aucklanders and, uh, and everyone in France hates hates the Parisians yeah oh France it's one of my I have to say it's one of my all time favourite countries France I absolutely love going over there when we get the opportunity so how long were you in France for? Uh, in total um, I spent a few, a few years there um, on and off um, about four years or, or three and a half years now in total yeah. so uh, yeah at, at different times yeah, yeah, and, and so I mean, we've actually your, your, your father's listening in here, Ron, the the founder of the company. So, I mean, how long ago now is it? I think I was doing a little bit of research and to see when it got registered. Was it nineteen ninety nine? Is it what? Is it twenty years old now, or how old's the company? 
Yeah, yep, it's, uh, it's about, it was 99, so that, what's that, about 20, 21 years uh, almost. Um, yeah, so uh, look, the, the history there, I guess, is, is um, my, my father and my family, we, we travelled from South Africa in the mid-80s, moved to New Zealand, uh, and at that, at that time, South Africa didn't want people leaving, it was still under apartheid, so... Mm. Uh, I understand they had to leave all their savings and monies behind and, and start again when they when, when they got to New Zealand. And um, in the 90s, my mum started working for, um, I know there might be some people out there who remember, the, the, the real estate companies United and yeah. I think it was Belton's United and, and Challenge and a few of those those companies. And um, he worked for IBM in South Africa, so he started programming uh, a sales system and a CRM system. and a, a, He had about five different software products. And... Um, uh, worked as a sole trader, and then I think at the end of 1999, he sort of registered a company, and and uh, so we've had quite a few different iterations of what we do since then. But but that was the that was the very beginnings. So do you talk about much about you know how old were you when you left um, South Africa, Michael? I mean, you know, you would have been a young kid, I'd imagine. Yeah, well, I was ten. Yeah, I was ten. So I guess coming to the primary school. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and and that must have I mean do you talk with your, your mum and dad about how difficult a decision that was to leave because obviously it would have been a, a totally different South Africa to, to what we now know now under apartheid and then just leaving all that behind and then just starting afresh was that difficult for Ron? I mean we could potentially even ask him he'd probably type an answer in and say so well, we have we have spoken about it, and, and look, I, I guess um, essentially what they wanted was a, a better life for their sons. And um, South Africa at that time, uh, you know, conscription was 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 part of the government, so you, you had to go and um, be part of the army, and, and I guess do things that 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 might be against your, your your ethics. And so, you know, he he basically didn't want us growing up in an environment, and, and there was all sorts of uncertainties about what was going to happen. And yeah. so. Um, I, from that point of view, I don't think it was a difficult decision because, yeah. you know, you move into a better country. Yeah. Um, I know he looked at a number of different countries. He went to the UK. And in fact, it was in the UK where he found a job for New Zealand. So he hadn't, he hadn't actually searched to come to New Zealand. He went to the UK and, and when he was there, he went to a job there and somebody there said, why don't you come to New Zealand? So he, went, he, he came out on his own, found a, found a job and said, this looks like a great place. And, yeah. um, and away we came. Yeah. Um, and look, as a 10-year-old, I, I didn't... Um, I didn't I wasn't privy to any of the difficulties no. that, that, that goes on in family life, but it was, it was easy for me. I turned up and went to school, and, 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 and it was great. Yeah, super. So, so I mean, what made Ron fall on property management rather than doing something like on real estate or doing... Because you mentioned that before, you said that they were developing CRMs. How did he stumble on property management? Well, as I, so as I say, there was there was five or six different products that he, he wrote to begin with, and um, you know the, again this is in the '90s, so the, the products I guess were relatively simplistic. And as as software and the internet and all of that has developed, it's it's become a lot more uh, you know the products have become a lot more specialised. And so in the in the 2000s when we had these these five different products. We didn't necessarily decide to focus just on property management. Uh, we decided to redevelop our property management software product first, with a, with a, with an eye to perhaps developing the others once we'd done that. But um, but of course, you never finish with software, right? It's an organic process. So uh, it, it, we started rewriting that, and that became Palace. And of course, that still hasn't finished. So uh, we we essentially just decided, I think, in about. I can't remember the exact year, 2007 or so, to, to actually cancel the other products and, right. um, and and move those existing customers onto onto other systems because we, we couldn't uh, 
uh, we couldn't spread our focus that thin, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I first became familiar with Palace. I'm trying to remember the year now. It would have been about... 2006 2007 at a guess when I was at when I was at property brokers and we got put onto it we were originally looking at because um, I remember I mean she may even be watching today uh, Jodine Clark who was then at the time the, the rep for Rock End who was pushing rest and we were on the old vision software which was god I look back at it now and it, it was just bloody awful you'd have to wait like three days to get an erase report and, and so we were all ready to go on to rest and then a lady, uh, Sue Yanutis from Full House, we got put onto her and she was using Palace and then that made us go to Palace and I mean that's been an integral part even today really now of, of property brokers, remember at the time we must have been easily the biggest client, one of the things that was, I've always loved about the company, and I don't be blowing it up or anything like that but it always maintained that customer service about it even as it, it grew and clearly you get a client like property brokers which is pretty big at the time more and more companies join how have you been able to just focus on maintaining that level of customer service what's been a, a key for the company I, I, well first of all I remember I remember those early days when you first came on to uh, onto Palace from uh, from Vision and I remember you had eight uh, separate databases at the time and I think um, I think what we did at that time was we merged four of them into one and four of them into another so you ended up with two instead of four so I remember there was quite a lot of work that went on uh, at that particular time, and that was on the, that must have been on the server-based version of Palace, I, I yeah, imagine. I yeah. can't actually remember exactly where you started, but, but that, that that probably sounds about right. Um, but look, Mandy, who you know well as well, has been, been quite an integral part of the customer service side of, of what we do, and we have um, you know we have uh, a lot of good people who who, who spend because obviously with software you've got your your developers on the one side, but the other side of it is is that customer service and. Property management's a, a multifaceted industry. You know, it's not a simple industry. And when I speak to some of my friends who, or, or colleagues who work in other um, other industries, you know, I say most most companies and most uh, yeah most businesses have one customer, right? That the person you're selling to. But but property managers have got their, their owners on their one side, and they've got their, their tenants on the other. And uh, you know, I've often thought it's it's, it's almost like being a rock in a hard place, you know, you've got these two people to um, to continue with as property managers. So what we've done is, is we've tried to make sure that we have that uh, communication with our, with our customers as well. Yeah. And look, we've had to change. In, in the early days, we um, we took phone calls from, from all our customers. Um, and, you know, we have had people say, oh, so there's, oh you know, it's, it's, it's annoying now, I can't call, I need to submit a ticket. But it was getting to the point where people were having to leave messages anyway, and we'd have to go back and listen to all the messages. So as we grew, we had to adapt as well and make some of those changes. So and, and we're continuing to do so. What do you, what tools do you use to measure the business performance, Michael? I mean, what what I mean, do you set KPIs for your um, support staff who you know sometimes bear the brunt of a, a an upset property manager over something? You know, what are the what are the business tools that you use to measure performance? Yeah. We do. We use a tool called Zendesk um, for our support site, which is basically an online um, uh, help. It, it has our knowledge base put for self-service, but it's also it also um, manages our tickets. So if you, if you do phone up, you can leave a message, and that becomes essentially a ticket in our in our ticketing system. Or you can send an email through, or you can go onto our website to submit a ticket. And look, it's interesting you mentioned that about KPIs because one of the ways we look at what other companies do, one way to, to measure that is to look at how many tickets support people do. But we didn't want our support people turning through the tickets and getting through as many as they could uh, because that could cause bad customer service if all you're doing is trying to get through them as quickly as possible. Yeah. 
So um, what we decided to do is look at the satisfaction rating, and um, that's changed a little bit now as well. We used to use the satisfaction rating that was built into Zendesk, and you basically said whether or not you were you were happy. It was was quite black and white, I and mean, then why you were or why you weren't. And we had those stats feeding directly through to our website. Um, we have recently changed about six months ago to another tool called Delighted. Um, and that, that just gives a bit more flexibility on, on, on what people can say. Um, I think it's got a rating of one to five and, and they can leave comments as well. Um, and we will have that feeding through to our website as well. We're just in the process of redeveloping our, 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 our customer-facing website. So, so that'll show then. But that, that's really the, the most important thing for us as far as the, the support KPI is concerned. Okay, okay. And, and, and how have you coped with the growth, Michael? Because it, you start off from being a, a small family business. It's, it's now, I mean, how many people do you employ now at Palace? About 28. 28, and you've got two locations, yeah. North Shore and, and, and in Wellington and Upper Hook. So how have you been able to just keep the growth without the wheels? Because you've had the challenges, and we'll touch on the challenges, um, but how yeah. have you coped with that growth without the wheels completely falling off? Well, sometimes it, it, it's been tough. I, you know, I won't, I won't beat around the bush. It's, it's certainly not easy. I don't think it's any. It, it, it's particularly easy for any business to go through rapid growth over over, over many years. Um, so yeah, we have the two the two locations as you mentioned. We've also got uh, Andrew who lives in Tauranga and yeah. Matthew who lives in, in Australia. So we've really essentially, in, in fact, Jermaine who's in um, another location. So we've really got five different locations, um, two two main centres, and then and then the, the people working remotely. So. Look, some of the we've had to introduce tools to, to help us do these sorts of things. Um, and uh, Slack, uh, I don't know if you've used yeah, Slack. I know yeah. some people have used Slack. It certainly helped us to to all keep in touch with each other. But we've had some false starts. We tried we've tried a few other tools in the past to to um, mm. bind the team together that haven't worked. Uh, trying to think of the one was called Yammer. Um, which didn't work for us, um, but sometimes you've just got to try these different oh, no, tools no. And, and see what works for you. Because I think different tools, different tools work for different cultures. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, different company cultures, and um, that's one that's worked for us. Yeah. Um, but look, it's it's a learning it's a learning curve, and, and it's something we're still going through. So, you know, as we grow, we'll continue to learn. And I've got myself a, a, a business mentor to help to help me with some of those those challenges. And, and we're getting you know wanting to get mentors in for other people in our business to help them in their areas as well. Good, good. So there's a real focus there on not just developing the software, it's developing the people as well, um, which which, which yeah. all, all interlinks. Now, I mean, can we touch on the period? So when you, you, you first, you know, brought Liquid out and, and, you know, when do you realise that that wasn't going to plan? Because you've got through it and you've got through the other side. When do you start to think, oh, my God, what have we done here? Yeah, it was, look, it was, in hindsight, you can look back and, and think, well, there's lots of other things, there's lots of things we would have done differently, but I mean, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, to begin with, what we wanted to do was bring out a web-based product that had the same functionality of, of, of Palace Live, because what we knew is that people would say, well, hang on, I've had this old product that's got all these features. If I move to your new one, I want to make sure I've got all these, these, these features too, because I don't want to go backwards. Um, but I guess Palace Live had been developed over sort of uh, at least 10, maybe 15 years. And to try and get a web-based product with all those features in, um, in hindsight, may not have been the right way to go. We would have cut some of those features down. 
and, uh, and and simplified it before we tried to bring everybody on. So I think we tried to bite off more than we could chew to begin with, and um, and that's uh, you know we had to we had to peg it back and take it slower and and, and try to. Um, try to make sure that we were more solid before we move more people across. So yeah, we've had a few false starts, but um, but it, it, and it's been a big it's been a big process. Well, you've had you've been able to keep the goodwill really of the industry, haven't you? Because the industry they've stuck by you. Uh, and, and do you think why do you think that is? Is that down to the fact that you're a New Zealand business rather than an Australian business? Is it due to the fact that you've had these people who've been you know that customer service has actually really really worked and, and people have been loyal? What's what what made you know, how did you get that loyalty? Look, I, I don't take anything for granted, David, so I certainly don't expect anyone to stay with us, um, you know, if the product's not working for them. But but certainly the the, um, the communication that Mandy brings to our team and, and, the, and the, um, the service that we can provide to people, the, the, the being in New Zealand probably does play a part of it. I wouldn't want people to shoot us just because we're a New Zealand-based based product. Yeah. Um, but... You know, certainly software is more than just about the software, it's about the people as well. And, um, you know, I know my own, in, in my own experience, when I'm looking at tools that we use, when I speak to people about the software that we use internally as a company, um, I'm more inclined to use the software where I can talk to people about the, the problems that I'm having or the changes that I want to see in their, their in their products, so you know, it does make a it does make a um, it does make a difference. I think we've gone from the old days where before the internet and, and you used to have consultants maybe coming online and showing you software to trying to do everything automatically so that you don't have that human interaction to to having a bit of both now. Mm. So you can't have it totally one way or the other. You you do need both. And I think that certainly helped us. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's good that you've touched on that. And it's good to get all that out of the way. I mean, going forward, what do you see is now um, the lessons from being in this lockdown. From you know, we're all working differently. I've seen property managers learning new skills that they never probably knew they had in terms of uh, adapting to technology. What do you think are the things that we'll bring out of this going forward? Yeah, look, it's interesting. Funnily enough. Um, uh, about six months to eight months ago, I, I spoke to a few different people who came to my office and um, who showed me some tools they had for remote inspections. And the idea was that the tenant would do their own inspection and the property manager wouldn't need to drive out uh, to any offices. And um, I did put I did put them in touch with uh, with a few companies, and I don't I don't know if it went too far. And, and generally, the, the consensus was, mm, I don't know if tenants would do it. You know, we'd be doing it this way. I don't know if it'll work. Um, and I, I did say to, to um, one of those companies, look, I think the change will come. It's just a matter of when and yeah. how, you know, because these things do make sense. But when people are stuck in their ways, it's, it's just the way things are done, I suppose. Um, so that's certainly been the most obvious change is as soon as the, as soon as the virus hit, um, all of these apps came out with, with allowing tenants to be able to do their own inspections. Where that's always been available. There's just never been any... There's never been a desire to do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess that's the most obvious one. The other thing is we've still got about 10% of our client base on observer-based products. So oh. we, we did move quite a few um, initially in that first week or two. Um, obviously, it was very urgent for them. Um, but the rest now are just, I guess, quite small companies. So I guess they've been okay. Um, the move to the cloud, I guess, is, is nothing new. That's that's been around for a yeah. long time. These sorts of things will just accelerate those who haven't yet done it. Yeah, I remember Mandy telling me um, about you know in Christchurch when they had the earthquake and how easily it was to pick people up who were server based and put them straight away so they could just 
keep going which um, you know really you, you look back to them critical for the, the functionality of, of a lot of those a lot of those businesses um, so in touching on inspections because inspections has fascinated me a little bit and I've always been of the opinion and I see Diane Nelson from Real Landlord Insurance did a bit in the uh, the Rhines magazine and coming up with the, the concept that you know the underwriters are not going to see tenants doing they're never going to classify it as them doing an inspection um, I don't know I mean I think property managers going into houses every three months particularly if I go into your house every three months and I know it's going to be well looked after and I know you're going to be a good tenant why can't a tenant do their own inspection I mean do you think that it, it are we going to go down that path eventually where tenants I mean have devices which are tracking the performance of a property so in essence you've got a property that's talking and sending data through palace maybe to the property manager and going hey there's a fault here the the moisture content's increased I mean I don't know is that too far-fetched I don't think anything's too far-fetched these days. Um, obviously, you, you, you know of um, uh, Brent and Tether. The and Tether product. Those, um, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. So he's got a concept where you, you put something in your house and it, it measures all sorts of things and feeds back continually to, uh, you know, it's all monitored continually anyway. So the idea there is to, is to identify the problems before they happen. Yeah. Um, look, inspections is a very interesting one. When I actually um, lived in France, I actually went to a Century 21 office um, and sat down with them and just tuned the fat, essentially, to see how they did things there. And what's interesting is you don't do inspections in yeah. France. The idea there is if, if I'm a tenant and I'm living in a house, then you've got no right to come in and yeah. look at what I'm doing. And so you have tenants who live in houses for 10 years and the property manager has never been in. They're not allowed to. They can drive past the house outside. Yeah, yeah. But they can't go in. So when I was there and I was talking about the concept of inspecting it every three months, for them that was completely alien as, oh. to, as to, isn't that a breach of somebody's oh. rights? Sacre bleu! Yeah, oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> that'll be uh, that'll be going on strike you know anyway we've got a few questions coming yeah. in now we've got a few questions coming in so, so, so to the audience make sure that you know you've got that question box in there type the questions in I'll read them out to Michael any question that you want um, you know it's absolutely fine before we get into the questions though Matt can I talk to you about benchmarking I mean you must have I I'm, I'm, can only speculate on how many properties that you, you've got but I reckon you've got a fair percentage of the entire rental stock in New Zealand you you must be able from you know you must be like captain kirk sat there being able to see well, this is what's happening here and there and where i mean there must be a fantastic ability there for you to go out and benchmark uh, what's happening with the rental market in new zealand yeah, we're actually, we're actually doing a, a, a joint project with Callaghan Innovation, uh, which is a government, um, I don't know if it's a government organisation or, 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 or quite what they are, but they provide funding to, to companies like ours or, or, or I guess high-tech companies which work uh, in, 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 um, in research and development for, for things that are new, I suppose. And rental stats are very hard to come by. Obviously, with, with sales stats, they will, you know, you, you can all get hold of those quite easily, but rental stats are quite difficult. I think the only rental stats that are really easily available come from the bond centre yeah. right? And, and they go out of date pretty quickly the bond centre publishes their stats uh, I don't know if it's every month or every couple of months but um, 
you know, they go out of date because all that data was based on the rent of a property at the time it was rented. Yeah. So three years later, they don't know what, what's being paid. Um, so we're just doing a project with Callahan Innovation at the moment to, to work through that so we can provide, uh, you know, really high quality level benchmarks back to back to our customers. And the idea is to draw that back to our dashboard so that you can compare your own, um, your own KPIs to that of the industry. Um, the... Um, Kalan Innovation a department of about 15 data scientists and um, and so it's really great working with those guys because their brains are on another level yeah well yeah on another level from me is that what you're saying yeah <laughs> so, I mean, look, but on a serious note, Michael, I mean, and I do this when I go into, you know, portfolios and whatever, you know, you, you can see the similar results everywhere you go. You can almost predict number of properties to owner ratio, how much has been spent on maintenance. You know, you must be able to get to the point where you can drill down and almost say, right, for a three-bedroom house of this era, it's going to cost you this much in maintenance per year to run it. I mean, there must be immense opportunities to be able to do that. Yeah, look, there, there are immense opportunities, and it's an immense amount of work. So, um, and that's why we're doing this joint project with these with these uh, data scientists because um, we've, we've actually got a mountain of data. It's actually making sense of that yeah. mountain of data. Yeah, yeah. And funny enough, the more you drill down into it, you know, the more you realise you've got to bring into account. Um, I know that there's a company I won't I won't mention who they are, but but they've done some work with our data and with a with a third party um, company which does data analysis. And I, I think I'm, I'm going to guess they're pulling about seventy or eighty percent of of our data out, but they're also bringing data from other sources and they're building a big dashboard putting it all together using different sorts of algorithms yeah. and um, you know it's, it's this, quite this, amazing what they've done yeah this sounds like this bloody halo product that um, um, Ben White is, is, is kind of touching on um, so I mean could you tell me then what's the average rent what's the average management fee you know you'd be able to would you be able to tell the industry what is the average management fee in New Zealand yeah the, look, the average management fee turns out to be about 7.49 percent all right. um, I can't. I can't tell you how that's tracked, but that that seems to be about the average. Um, the average rent. We've had to make some assumptions with the average rent. It's about four hundred and fifty-one dollars, just over four hundred and fifty dollars. What we've done though is we've taken out the the um, the properties that are less than one hundred and fifty dollars because there are a lot of property managers who also put the car parks that they manage yeah. in Auckland. You know, the car park might be fifty dollars a week, fifty dollars a month, but, and then there's storage lockers as well. So we didn't want to skew the um, the data too much downwards based on some of those uh, properties that were in the system. So. It's about four hundred and fifty dollars, which you know sounds. When I first saw that, I thought it sounds quite cheap for Auckland, but uh, of course it's throughout the whole country. So, and that's look, that's that's using our Palace Live data, which is just shy of a hundred thousand properties. Right. I mean, um, yeah. So. So, so I mean, have you then potentially made a bit of a, a flaw here, where you've given people the opportunity to? Because this is one of the things I've thought is that you know instead of like they're able to create their own categories they've got a pre-select a category that you give them and then that way you could potentially track data so much better than feed it back into the industry so the industry can learn yeah look that, that what you mentioned there david is is what i spoke to the the data scientists about because once you start collecting all this data you realize um you've got to clean it as well um and cleaning is a process they go through where they they 
they look at certain things and they, they've got to put it into, into boxes or categories, I, I guess, because different people use different categories to say different things. Mm. So that's one, of, that's one of the problems we started with is, is um, you know, what you call a unit, somebody else might call a house, yeah. somebody else might call an apartment and, and so on and so forth. So uh, we're using, they're using sort of these algorithms to, to, to try and categorize a lot of that data. And a lot of it comes down to cleaning. It's actually not the... Um, presenting of the data that's to build it's the cleaning of the data that yeah. takes the time yeah yeah I can imagine like all sorts anyway we'll get on to some of these questions because people have been waiting we've been having a good little yarn for, for, for 30 minutes um, so with COVID impact wholeheartedly wish tenants can download Palace app and have access to the inspection app is that a possibility in the future that is a fantastic question look it is a good question um so, so, so I guess that means also that the tenant can do their own inspection. Yeah. Um, the, the tenant app, so we, we haven't got that on our plans at the moment. Um, we do integrate with a number of different apps that do provide similar functionality uh, because we know different people like different apps. Um, the app hasn't been a focus of ours in terms of changing what it does just recently. We have got an app that's being used at the moment, a new app that's being used at the moment. Um, it's out in beta with a, with a few select offices. So that, that's being rolled out, um, and there's, there's reasons why it's being rolled out, is, which I won't get into right now. Um, but it doesn't have that functionality in it. Um, it's, it's certainly a good idea. Yeah, yeah, no, great idea. Uh, I like booking. I think she's meant to say booking. I like booking in a ticket because sometimes you can work it out by stopping, thinking, how to explain the problems and the answers found. That's Margot, who's down in... Um, in Walker, I think. Thanks, Margot, uh, for that. And she's also saying here, uh, signing documents online would be a huge plus. So, I mean, because, I mean, I do a bit with Renty. They've had that functionality for a wee while now where you can just sign those documents live. I mean, do you get into that space or is this the type of thing that you leave for, you know, third party, um, like TPS, like Renty, like whoever, like Tennessee Tracker, you know? Do you want to get into that space, or is that something you keep separate? Well, I'll just go back to Margot's first uh, first little comment there about it's nice logging a ticket because when you write it down, you can uh, you you can um, you can work it out. There's a, there's a concept in programming called the cardboard programmer, and and years ago, before I worked for Palace, actually, I did programming overseas, and um, it was the same thing. I remember myself uh, being stuck on a particular problem, and I call my uh, my senior was programmer over I guess and, and say look I'm having trouble I'm trying to do this and he'd say okay we'll just explain what you're doing and I'd say I'm doing this I'm doing this I'm doing this and then I'd say oh I can see my problem so uh, that's why I was smiling it's quite a it's quite a common thing I think yeah yeah um, with regards to with regards to um, electronic signatures we actually looked into it about four or five years ago uh, when it was relatively new and, and there seemed to be a lot of pushback and obviously I know it's a few years ago now um, people just not sure if it would hold up in tribunal people not sure if the tenants would use it if owners would use it and that sort of thing so but it's certainly gaining more traction now yeah yeah I, um, I think it's gaining a lot of traction sorry yeah, TPS, Renty, some of these other uh, companies that are doing um, tenant sign-ups now, um, it makes sense to do them on those particular apps uh, because it's, it's, it, it's at the point where the tenant gets involved. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's something we wouldn't do, but our focus at the moment is on, on making sure the functionality in Liquid uh, is where it needs to be. Yeah, I've got a I've got a comment here from from Matt. 
uh, mass traction and seeing great feedback from owners, tenants, and and managers. And that's uh, Matt's. I think Matt's from Renty. Uh, he's just saying. So I mean, they're obviously getting a, a lot of. I think from this, that's an inevitable thing that's happened to people now looking for these third party, the whole digital signatures. It's amazing how crises can make technology evolve. I mean, you go back to to yeah. World War Two. And before World War Two, you know, we didn't have radar or anything like that. World War Two comes in the space of five years. We're shooting rockets up in the sky. And, and to a degree, you know, it, it's not to that, that extent, but we've certainly got, you know, big pushes in technology here. We've got a, uh, something coming on from, from Nikki. E-signatures. If it's good enough for the IRD, it's good enough for me. So there you go. I think a lot of people are starting to feel now that the they wanted to go down that path in terms of in terms of those um, those digital signatures. Now, I've got a question for you. Our conference that we did last year, everybody who spoke, myself included, and we had some fantastic speakers. You said something that stuck in my mind. You said property management is in its infancy. What did you mean? Look, I, I, I guess the older I get, the more I see, the more I realise there's so many industries in its infancy. Um, property management is has got a long way to go, and I, I know that there have been products that have come along, and I, I remember getting a panicked phone call about three or four years ago from somebody who said, oh, there's a new product out there, and it allows owners to, to manage their property online with their tenants, and they don't need any property managers. Do you think this is going to wipe us all out? And I said, well, no, I, I think there's a place for it. There's certainly a place for it. But owners want to manage their own properties online with tenants and run it that way. But there's also plenty of owners who, who just want nothing to do with their properties. They just want to outsource it and have somebody else manage it. So there's going to be different, you know, lots of different models. But there, there is such a long way to go. I mean, I, we've got so many ideas of things to build. We just certainly don't have, we don't have the resources to do it. Um, hence, we end up, and I know people complain about it, there's all these different third-party tools. They say, well, hang on now, but we have seven different pieces of software. The problem is, I guess to a degree, is people want all these different tools and they get, it gets harder and harder to maintain everything. And yeah. it, it sort of reminds me of our company in its early days when we had five products. You know, for us to maintain a property management system and a sales system and a CRM system now would seem ridiculous, um, you know, because all three of those products are absolutely huge. But in the early 90s or in the mid-90s, they were all quite simplistic. So you could do all three of them. And I think as... As property management becomes more advanced, people are wanting, uh, you know, quite advanced pieces of software. So it, it is in its infancy. There's just more and more things which which are being added. Um, I follow one of the um, one of the venture capitalist guys in America who uh, is involved with with Uber and LinkedIn and, and all those sorts of companies, and he was talking about the next evolution of technology. And he was saying that obviously, you know, we've gone from these server-based products to the internet, which seemed like a mammoth jump. But you see, the next mammoth jump is, is just basically voice and AI. So uh, instead of the, the platform being the web, the platform will be some sort of voice um, system, I guess. So instead of trying to type anything, you'll just be talking to something. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that'll look like but um, there's certainly it, it never stops so is this like Siri and, and Alexa instead of typing in inspection reports I mean I tried to do this when I was at Property Brokers years ago I did, I did inspections using a dictaphone and I could touch type and I found it far easier to just talk and we've got to get to the point instead of 
typing, we're just going around picture talk, picture talk. I mean, you know, that seems like a logical time saving yeah, thing to do for me. Yeah, that's one part of it, but that, that's here and now. I, I guess you, you, in a way, you always need to broaden your mind to something that you can't imagine because I think it's, it's certainly, it's, it might be things like, hey, how much, you know, uh, I mean, how many tenants are overdue in the system? Say, oh, four tenants are overdue. And it might not even say that. It might just say, well, I've already notified them that they're yeah. overdue. So, you, you know what I mean? There's all of those sorts of things, which, which so, I think are really hard to imagine. So, you know, he was just talking about voice. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I know that. I mean, I had a, we had Tatiana Day from from Manage Me. This is the outsourcing company, and I put it to her when I interviewed her. You know, because outsourcing seems to be a bit of a, a fad at the moment. But I mean, I read this fascinating book about the eventually outsourcing will just disappear because it will be replaced by AI, artificial intelligence, and property management is the perfect industry because yeah. there's so many small, minute transactions. Are we in risk in the future of making ourselves unemployed? The world's been asking themselves that question, David. Uh, look, one, one of the areas that we want to work on with Callaghan with regards to AI, you know, for example, is, is rent, uh, rent increases or rental reviews. Instead of setting up some sort of um, schedule where you, uh, you, you know, you say on a yearly basis you want to you check people's rents, why doesn't the system look at all the properties in your in your in your portfolio? Yeah. Look at the benchmark in that particular area, or how many bedrooms, how many how many people, and then automatically when you turn up in the morning, it'll say, "Hey, is these four properties that haven't had increases for more than a year, and they're all more than ten dollars below market rent? They should all go. This one should go to X, and this one should go to Y, and this one should go to Z. Do you want me to start the process? And you just say yes. So you haven't set up a schedule. The system's telling you based on based on the data in the area what the property should be I see that um, Michael in so sorry. many yeah so I just <laughs> I see that in so many companies where property managers are just and part of me thinks they don't want to put the rental because you'd always get the one outlier and trying to benchmark them against you know others in their office and whatever um, so you you're saying that eventually that task may be taken away from the property manager because you've got AI which is basically calculating you're telling you this is what the rent should be well I wouldn't say taking taking it away from the property manager but it would empower the property manager so the property manager could then say to the tenant look the rent is going from X to Y because based on you know based on, on this report showing all the other properties in the area you're actually below market rent and it, it's been more than you know 12 months or 24 months since you had a, an increase um, it just gives them more power in regards to what they're deciding to do. So I wouldn't say taking the, you know, taking that decision away, but empowering that decision. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've got a couple of questions coming on. This is, oh God, I don't know if I can ask this one. Um, Rock End selling to, or Red's selling to MRI. Um, this is a question that's come in from from Jacob. Don't know where Jacob is. Um, he could be working for MRI for all I know. What was your? Did that surprise you? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, um, I, I, I'd have heard, I guess, because I'm in the space that that they'd been looking for a buyer. So, so you know, it's not surprising. I mean, throughout my time in, in with Pathless, uh, Console has gone from. Console Vault Vision, which is yeah. which is software that um, they used to use at property brokers. Console was then bought by On the House, um, which was a like a I think they were like a, a CoreLogic type 
company in in in, uh, in Australia, and then that was bought. And I'm, I might not have the exact. Maybe there was another sale in there somewhere. I'm not sure. And then that was bought by by um, Macquarie Investment Group. Hmm. So so Consol's got through three or four different buyers. Um, and and I guess this is Rockin's, you know, being being acquired by MRI Software. And MRI Software themselves are owned by TA Capital. TA Capital had a big stake in, in MRI. So it's kind of. It's what happens, I guess, in, in, the, in the business world. Um, I'm not sure what the question was. Oh, they're asking. Oh, the question was basically saying, uh, "Did it surprise you uh, that Rock End sold?" That was the question. So, uh, yeah. And, right. No. I guess. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I guess it didn't because I've seen I've seen it happen in, in quite a few instances. I've got a couple of questions here about you know the, the company itself and its ambitions. Um, you've tried to grow into Australia. How's that going for you? So what we did um, a couple of years ago, well, maybe about three or four years ago now, is we did get some outside investment to help us grow. And we did this at the same time that we were trying to release um, our, our new web-based version of Palace. So we, we kind of, again, probably bit off too much to chew at the, at the, at the wrong time. So we did, we did put some investment in, into more people in Australia to, to grow it. Um, but we didn't have the product that we were ready to sell into Australia yet. Into Australia yet, because Australia, with the different states, has got slightly different rules as well. So, what we decided to do was um, peg that back and focus on New Zealand first before we, we decide to go back into Australia. Now we do have Matthew in Australia, and he is still selling into Australia. So, um, so that's still that's still um, uh, happening, but we're just not uh, pushing it as much as we, we tried to do about three or four years ago. Right, this is about two years ago. So, so I mean, would you look further afield from Australia? Would you like look into Europe and America and places like that? Yeah, we, we, we've gone to a, a property management conference in the States and um, the States is interesting because every state seems to be different and every state seems to have a different property management um, product, although there are you know a few big ones which, which uh, encompass all the states. Uh, Canada's a market that we've looked at as well um, and England. But, but look, we need to make sure that the product is exactly where we want it to be in New Zealand first. There's no point in us trying to push off too early before we've, we've looked at, um, at really consolidating. You know, I, I talk about the benchmarking. We want to bring that out in New Zealand first before yeah. we look uh, further afield. Yeah, because released is uh, it's more a commercial property management software. They've had some, I mean, real big success over in in, in the UK. I see. Um, I mean, have you ever looked at expanding into commercial and, and and other areas of property management? I mean, I don't suppose you want to get into short term now, would you? I mean, that's probably done a death. But I mean, have, have you looked at commercial and things like that? Yeah, we have. Um, we did look at commercial, uh, but look again. It's it's. People assume that it's very similar to residential, I guess, to a degree, and it isn't. I know, I know a release have looked at doing um, residential as well. So I guess we both tried to look at, at, at being, you know, I guess going into the other, into the other industry. Um, it is very different. Uh, and again, if we were to focus on commercial, we, we defocus our, our, uh, our focus on, um, on residential. So, no, our... our, our um, our focus now is just on residential. We, we put that to one side and decide not to do it. Yeah. yeah. But we've got some commercial functions in us because there are some people who manage commercial properties, but we don't sell it as a commercial uh, package. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a good one. Um, holiday houses will come back. I run it through Palace and some small changes. It could work so easy. What do you think is going to happen with the old um, holiday homes? Is, is that... Is that gone? I mean, it's it, there's still going to be no. a small market, obviously, because we're going to have New Zealand's travelling. But you know, are we going to see a big influx from Airbnb moving long term? What do you think? 
Airbnb has spoken about going long-term for a number of years, for about three or four years. And I think if you Google long-term Airbnb on the website, they do have a page for long-term, but it's very general. So I don't think you can use it in New Zealand as a, as a, as a company to manage your, your long-term rentals. But anyone listening wants to have a look, go and have a look. I mean, it's not something they've been shy about, about uh, talking about. But again, their focus is on short-term rentals. I think it, um, the focus may be changing, Michael. <laughs> Looking at what's happening well, in the world, the focus may be changing. Um, yeah. Can I see it? Can I see yeah, this? Go up. I've got a good. There's a few more questions coming through to far through. Um, rent rolls, right? So you'd obviously see a lot of rent rolls sell. You know, because you're doing the data, the the month end or whatever. Um, do you think you're going to see a slowdown in that now, or are you seeing a slowdown in that? Uh, we're actually seeing a slowdown in, in, in mergers. Um, I look, you 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 tend to know about the sales before we do, um, because people tend to broker those deals before they tell us that they're going to sell them, and sometimes they tell us very very late that they're, they're doing a sale or they're wanting a merge. Um, I know that we were doing lots of mergers, um, and by mergers I'm talking about somebody buys a rent roll and want to get merged into another. Uh, we've been doing a lot of them over the last sort of 12 months and right up until April we were doing them and all of a sudden there's, there's just been a drop off. So yeah. we've seen that suddenly slow. And I can only assume that either people are stopping or they're delaying yeah. uh, those sorts of things. I think that you've just got to see, my own personal take on this is that you've got to see a lot of people wait on the sidelines because, I mean, for one, Michael, how can you value these things now? Because we're not sure what's going to happen with rent in the long term. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're holding pretty okay at the moment, but if you're doing a multiplier on, on the, the contract value and the rent's start heading south then you could be in the risk of overpaying for something so I suspect they'll probably go through six seven months of, of not a lot going on and I suspect that they may start to you know get a bit of traction again that would be that would be be my take on it and also it comes with the ability to to obtain finance as well because I think the banks will be a, a hell of a lot more stringent on on on, on what the what the borrowing or what the lending to people all right Right. What are the most common mistakes that you see? Very, very good question, Tanya. Thank you. What's the most common mistakes that you see um, made on Palace? God, that could be heaps. It's a very really broad question. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a really broad question. Um, look, it's, it's, it, I'm not quite sure how to start that one because I, I don't, <laughs> I don't tend to be on the help desk on a day-to-day basis. So I don't know if we're talking on a help desk level or, or, or on some sort of other level. Um uh, I, I think, from my point of view, I, I often, you know, when people buy rent rolls, I, I think there's I, I, maybe a misconception about how easy it's going to be. Yeah. You know, um, when we get new clients, we, we, we will say to them, look, it's easier to enter new data than, than to convert it, but we can convert it. And everyone sort of goes, no, 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 it's better to convert or it's better to merge. It saves me time. And you say, yes, it does, but you're going to be merging or converting data that you didn't create. and it may not be that clean. So, uh, you know, those are the, the mistakes I, I tend to see. Um, but, but again, I don't I don't use it on a daily basis. Um, yeah. Certainly. What do you... I've got a question for you then. What percentage... All right, how well do you think people use it in terms of a, of a percentage of its capability? I've got my own views on this. Interesting to hear your views. I mean, what percentage of people use it to its real capability? I, I don't... 
I don't think that anyone should try to use it 100% or, or even 80 or 90 or 70% because if you look at Microsoft Word or Excel or any of those sorts of programs or even Gmail, do you, you don't use 100% of those products either. So I think you've got to use it to fix the problems that you have. You know, I know in the past, I remember a few years ago, I did a demo and I spoke to somebody and I asked them about why they were changing and they, they said, oh, um, uh, well, actually, that's a good question. I'm not quite sure. And, and I thought to myself, well, you, you should be sure about why you're changing. You should be trying to solve a problem. So I, I'm not really con- concerned if people only use 30% of it or 40% of it, as long as it's doing what they need it to do. Right. Um, because one person will use this part of it and one person will use that part of it and it'll suit their business. So, you know, it's, it's a very um, subjective question, I guess. Okay, here's a question coming. Uh, Rebecca, oh, from, oh, she's saying where she's from, from Rentables. How are you, Rebecca? That's uh, Daffing in, in Levin. Levin or Old Tacky, one of those wonderful places. Uh, what, are the name, what are the new projects coming up that you are currently working on? Um, look, one of the main ones is um, we've done some focus groups this last week, but one of the main ones that we want to launch next month is actually a voting system for those projects. So we're going to make a, a, a public voting system available whereby you'll be able to see the projects that we're working on and then vote on them uh, so that you can, you know, you can essentially, it, it actually serves two purposes. It, it allows customers to vote on what they want and it allows them to, it allows them to see what we're working on. So the idea is they'll get they'll get three votes and they can put all three votes to one particular item or they can vote for three different things. Um, but at least they have visibility of those sorts of things because what we're finding is that we get people who say, oh, well, you know, I've asked for this and I've asked for that and I haven't seen it. And what Are you doing anything? Um, but what they can't see is what we are working on. So at least if we can do that, we can provide visibility for those sorts of things. Now, um, I don't want to get too much into all those individual projects because there's, there's a lot of different ones. Um, but obviously, the main one is that that data board, uh, sorry, that dashboard and the and the benchmarking. Yeah, yeah, the benchmarking will be an absolute priceless tool because I see people go in and they'll do like an assessment on an entire rent roll. Well, this, 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 this. I firmly believe you should be. I mean, it won't be far away before you press a button. And it really tells you, you don't need someone to go in. And then someone like me can say, the reason why this is like this is because of, look at this, look at this, look at this. So, I mean, there's so much, you touched on before, it's clean data, it's learning from it, and what to do with it once once you've got the data. Uh, Kiora, oh, this is someone, Kiora, Michael. We have been aware of your product from, from multiple housing conferences in New Zealand and Australia. Here's a sales pitch. I'll take commission for this one. We are a community housing provider. Will Palace be suitable to manage different types of tenancy managements? Thanks. Linda from Tauranga. Hello, Linda. Have you got any community? So have you got any, have you got any social housing uh, providers use Palace? We do actually. Um, we do. I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know who they are, but I know we have some community housing, and we've also recently taken on a couple of the the, um, the councils. Um, I won't mention which ones, but a couple of council um, council uh, councils have started using Palace to manage the properties that they're looking after. Um, but but I can certainly speak to. Was it Linda? Yeah. Did you say? Yeah. Yep, I can see Linda about about the community housing uh, side of things. Okay, okay. Um, so you're... We've got a list of everyone. I'll, uh, Linda, I'm okay to share Michael's details. Yep, 
Yeah, so have social how so have social housing providers. Yeah, I think that's one that's Rosie, I think, who's uh, one of your team jumping in there. How are you, Rosie? Um also, I mean look, this is maybe not the place or the audience to say this on, but would you ever look at the private landlord sector? Like develop a, a dumbed down project for self managing landlords because if we're only capturing as an industry forty percent, you've got sixty percent uh there which are probably struggling to try to do it on an Excel spreadsheet. Do you think there's a market there? No, I don't, David. Um, look, it, it, it's a very similar question to the one about commercial commercial property management, I guess. Um, there are a thousand products out there for individual landlords to manage their own properties, so we have to go and compete against all of them as well. So all we want to do is focus on, I'd rather grow the pie, I'd rather grow the property management pie, you know, the properties that are managed by property managers than, than try to get into a different market, which is having owners who manage their own properties. Um, we have had a few owners who, who use Palace to manage five or six properties, but um, that's that, that I guess is their choice. We don't make too many um, concessions with regards to uh, changing the product in that respect. Um, it, look, it's something we've considered because, of course, you consider these things, yeah. but um, it's not something we do or have any plan for you. Yeah, uh, is and here's and you've got you've got all your staff. They're not working. They're all watching this, which is great. Is and uh, we do have a couple of clients using lace for their own properties. I don't know what lace is, um, but there you go. Cheers for that, Anne. Um, okay, that's super. Now, in terms of you know, once we're out of this, out, once we are out of this lockdown and we're getting back to some some normality, I mean, what are you going to change how people are? Oh, she meant to say palace. Sorry, Anne. Um, are you going to? allow how's the working habits going to be at palace and everyone going to stay at home are you going to just work from home now forever does it work perfectly um what's your thoughts there no i think no, I, th- I think you need both i think look before the lockdown i would i must admit I, I wasn't keen on having people work from home because i just wasn't i was i guess i was concerned about how much work would actually be done i guess um but what we found, what I found anyway, is the first two weeks of lockdown, I think the productivity was a lot higher. Hmm. So, um, and I, I think times have changed. I think we've got the tools now. Everyone's been using the tools. Everyone's used to the tools for working remotely. I think what we'll do, and we have discussed it internally, is is basically allow people to work for, for you know, maybe a couple of days uh, from the office, uh, sorry, from, from home a couple of times a week, uh, and then just have a few set days that we'd like everyone in the office. Because I don't think you can have everyone working from home all the time. No. You, you need that community feel. You need that, that, you know, you need to build a culture. And it's, it's a lot harder to do from home. So working from home is not the be-all and end-all, but certainly I don't think you need to be in the office five days a week either if, um, you know, if that's all you're doing. So, um so I think it's going to be a hybrid. It's going to be a mix of the two. Have you enjoyed it? Uh, the, the the experience of I mean, um, this is not you know putting any disrespect on the situation that we're seeing around the world, but have you enjoyed um, working from home? I've had good days and I've had bad days. There's been days I've been probably too short with the kids for no reason, but um, but you know I think that that's just a bit of cabin fever. Yeah. Um, look, I think I think. Situations like this cause change to a degree. And, um, you know, we've spoken about tenants doing their own inspections and we've talked about spoken about working from home. I mean, I, I've been changed in, in that I didn't really think it would ever really work with my team, but now I'm a lot more open to it. So, um, like a lot of things, there's been positives and negatives out of the experience. 
I've got Mandy's. Uh, how are you, Mandy? Good of you to join us. I feel we have come together as a company much better. We are now one company instead of two cities. So there's 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 credit to you. Good on you. Well done. That's yeah, great man. to hear. And Mandy's got a day off today, so I'm not sure why she's there. But Mandy, um, Mandy pointed something out that was actually quite uh, an eye opener, and that um, before the lockdown, uh, we kind of had the Auckland office and the Wellington office. But now that everyone's working from home, we don't. Those barriers have broken down because there isn't one point versus another point. There's just a whole lot of different points. So it, we have felt probably a lot closer as a team, as a whole company, than, than we have in the past. So that's been quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I suspect now, uh, and this is one of the things I've, I've, you know, I think our entire industry in the past, Mike, and I imagine you probably have the same issues: is finding great quality people to and when keeping hold of them in challenging times and the nature of the job with a lot of conflict is that people burn out or they just don't like the conflict or whatever I suspect now we're going to see that completely change where I think a lot of us are just grateful that we're bloody working you know and, and this industry has proven itself um, again as it always does in global crises that it's very very resilient because we always need to have a house we always need to to pay rent even if there's a recession or a depression you've still got to pay rent what do you do in your spare time that's a question from shardy she was our guest last week look you know if it's uh, anything like what shardy does in a spare i hope it's not what shardy does in a spare time but what do you get up to in your spare time well, I, I swim, although I don't at the moment. Um, so I generally swim twice a week uh, at the local pool. Um, I, I do ocean swims. Um, I was I was due to do the Rangitoto to St. Helier swim, which is a, a 4.8K swim in April, but that got cancelled. Um, so that, that's really my main my main sport. I, in the past, I played squash and I played tennis and, and I've done those things. But but now my weekend is driving one daughter horse riding and driving yeah. the other daughter to dance. And it's being a taxi. So I guess, uh, although I don't get paid for it, so I guess that's the other uh, the other thing I end up doing at the moment. Yeah, oh, we all know that's like being the old uh, teenage kids and drumming around in your, your taxi at the weekend. That's one of the that is one of the good things about this is that you know you're not getting up at bloody eight o'clock in the morning to go to cricket or to whatever. You can actually have a, a wee bit of, of a lie in bed when all this finishes. So we're coming to the end now, guys. So we're coming to the end of our our, our last wine time. Um, you know what are you going to do after this, Michael? In terms of if you could pick somewhere that you could go and travel to after this, where would be your ideal place that you'd take the family? Well, we were due it. We were due to travel to um, to Mallorca in June. Oh. Um, so, so my wife, uh, we haven't been back to France for about five years, and she's missing her parents. So, so we thought we'd go there, but neither her nor I want to spend sort of three weeks with her parents. Uh, so, um, we decided to, to to go and spend a week, and then maybe go to Mallorca, which is obviously uh, it's just an island in the south of Spain, yeah. uh, in the Mediterranean. But but that's all that's all been thrown out the window. So. We're, we're, I think we're getting a refund and a partial refund anyway. And um, and and look, we, we're undecided at the moment because we don't know what's going to happen. So um, yeah. So that's being put on hold we, at, at the moment. But um, we're happy to go anywhere. Should we should we do a, should we do another conference? Maybe down in Queenstown, get help do our bit to get the uh, Queenstown economy going again and get a bit of uh, tourism and a few you know beverages spent over the bar in Queenstown. Open to do another oh, open to another conference. Yes, everyone's going. Yes, conference. Yes, yes. I think they're all hanging out for the conference. All right. So you've heard it here officially. 
on today, the, the next, um, we're going to do another conference, and we will do it down in Queenstown. Okay, so are we all like with that? Good. That's good to me. That's good. All right, super. All right, so, yep, they're all going for a conference in Queenstown. Thank you, everybody, so much for, um, look, joining us on these wine times. I hope you've enjoyed them. Um, you know, we've just anything to keep you keep you going and keep you entertained. We'll probably try and continue them, but maybe not on a weekly basis, maybe more so on a monthly basis. Michael, thank you so much. I mean, this was an 11th hour call, and, uh, you know, thanks so much for joining us, Michael, and uh, good luck with Alice. Okay. Yeah, good luck with Palace, good luck with the team and um to you've done a great you know, you've been a great servant to our industry and we appreciate that not just what you've done, but the team, Mandy in particular, who does a, a wonderful, wonderful job. Uh, so everybody, thanks a lot. We'll uh, see you soon. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. And we thought that we'd, uh, be, because you're a bit of a French-speaking man, we thought we'd, uh, and you've got a French wife, we thought we'd leave on this note. Yeah.